In this episode, we interview Wendy White, CEO of Face It Together, an addiction wellness nonprofit that provides peer coaching to those impacted by addiction, including their loved ones. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. Today we have Wendy White, CEO of Face It Together. Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's right. great being here. Yes. So per usual, we want to start with the, the elevator pitch. What is the mission of Face It Together? Yeah, great. So the mission of Face It Together is to get people with addiction and their loved ones well. So we do this through the power of the peer. So one-on-one -on -one peer coaching, usually 45 minutes um, once a week. And then we coach both those with addiction and loved ones. And so it's um, a really powerful partnership so that getting <clears throat> the person with addiction the right tools to be able to manage their disease and then also helping the loved ones have the right tools in their toolbox to have um, healthy boundaries, how to enable their person in a healthy, helpful way. way. Um, and so it's, it's really, we see a lot of success, especially when we can get both the person with addiction and the loved one engaged. Alrighty, well, thank you for that. Why you, why you, your CEO, what, what inspired yeah. you to initially get engaged and, and keep you there? Yeah, um, well, I, I worked in healthcare for a lot of years and um, was looking for a change and I knew a gentleman that worked for Face It Together and um, he kind of recruited me and it was just such a great mission and so powerful. And I love the stories that we hear about how we've changed people's lives and saved yeah. people's lives. And so it's um, really approaching the disease of addiction differently. And so that is important to me. And it's also very science and data driven. So I am a science nerd by heart. <laughs> and so um, being able to dig into our data and really be able to prove the value that we're bringing is really awesome and just really makes me proud of the organization that I work for. Yeah. And how long ago did you start being a part of the organization? Yeah, I started with Face It Together three years ago mm -hmm. um, and I moved into COO and then CEO role started in August of 2019. So um, yeah. a little while. COVID, you know, threw some <laughs> some curveballs, but we yes. we were pretty well prepared. So it's been it's been a good been a good ride. Yeah. And, and you said evidence-based coaching. What, what is that? Like unpack that for yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we looked at a lot of different um, resources when the organization started and um, really tapping into things like motivational interviewing and, you know, working in a very, so there's <clears throat> kind of a fine line or not a fine line, but there's a line between um, therapy and coaching. And so just making sure that we're staying on our swim lane coaching, versus gotcha. the, the therapy side of it. I mean, certainly we hear our members stories, but our focus is the future. So what we look at goal setting, we look at um, helping people realize what they need to do to improve their wellness. And so um, again, through that motivational interviewing, those one-on-one -on -one conversations, and then really that power of the peer. So, you know, relapse is a symptom of the disease. And so being prepared and either educating loved ones that that's a potential reality, um, helping those that have the disease of addiction, that they have a safe place to come to, a place that isn't going to judge them mm -hmm. and that they can come back and be honest about what happened. And then their, their coach can say, yep, I went through something similar, you know, using their own story to help support yeah. that individual. Um, little education, what, what is the difference between therapy and coaching? Yeah, so um, for 
traditional counseling or therapy, it's usually a lot focused on the past and what, how did that past impact your future, which there's a lot of evidence, you know, childhood trauma. And we do use the ACE assessment to identify that childhood trauma, but childhood trauma has a big impact on the risk of addiction in the future. And so counseling is really kind of backwards looking where coaching is very forward looking. And so, I mean, obviously coaching your, or sorry, therapy, you're looking at the past to help improve your future and we're focusing on their future and making goals. And we um, kind of along the lines of our being very data-driven, we have several assessments that we do. And so um, for our persons with addiction, we have them complete the recovery capital index. And it's looking at all aspects of a person's life. So their personal, social, and cultural capital. And then, so, you know, how's their housing? How's their health? Are they connected to their family, to their community? Um, are they getting the spiritual needs that they met that they have. And so looking at them as that whole person. And so then our coaching sessions are um, using that data to then identify, okay, where are we low? What part do we, should we be focusing on? Okay. So let's talk about this. Okay. Your housing situation isn't what you want. Okay. Let's talk about what steps we can take to improve that situation. And sometimes that's navigating them to other resources to complement the work that we're doing. And sometimes it's just helping guide them through that process. Yeah. All right. Uh, you also mentioned that we don't require sobriety or follow one size fits all process. Yeah. Uh, wh- why was that a part of the mission statement? Like what went into deciding that? Yeah. So I, I think it's really important meeting people where they're at. Um, we kind of, we talk about that first phone call. It's like lifting up that 50 pound phone to make that call. Yeah. Cause it's just so hard to, um, reach out for help, recognize you need help. Yeah. And so, that one size fits all. Sometimes people like sobriety is scary. You're going from, you know, drinking this obscene amount of alcohol every day, or, um, you know, you're doing drugs and your intake is just continuing to increase. And, and maybe the only step you can take today is to cut back, you know, you're drinking a bottle of wine every night and you're going to go down to one glass of wine a night. Okay. That's great. Let's work on that. Cause um, it's kind of, again, meeting people where they're at so we can, you know, each of those steps is a step in the right direction. And and sometimes sobriety is just not, is, is not something someone's comfortable with committing to. And so being able to help them wherever they're at. Okay. What is the kind of the perception of addiction from what you've seen getting initially getting involved? Um, maybe the history of the perception of addiction and maybe if it's changed, how it's changed? Yeah, I, you know, I think... I think we've made progress, but I think that there's still so much shame and stigma around addiction. And we just have as a society, and I I mean, I'll be honest, I had a lot of those same preconceived notions when I started with Face It Together. I've learned tremendously a lot in my tenure. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we can still make progress in. So we're very language focused. So if Mm -hmm. you've noticed, as I've been talking, we say person with addiction, not alcoholic or any of those slang terms that can be used. So very person focused language. Um, we talk about relapse as a re- reoccurrence of symptoms and trying to be very um, positive language because there's a lot of shame and stigma in the language that's just ubiquitous across society. Yep. So that's one big part that we started with. Um, I think the other area that I would love to see additional change and um, we treat People with addiction, you know, obviously the criminal penalties are high. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of that's changing. We're getting some um, legalization and decriminalization. And I think moving, continuing to move in that direction is important. Um, If somebody, this is my 
um, analogy that I always make. We we equate addiction to diabetes a lot. So um, like we use our recovery capital index and we'll equate that to an A1C, which is used as a measure of how well a diabetic is maintaining their blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So the RCI is also an indicator of how much wellness is this person experiencing and where, you know, we want to continue to improve. Um, the other piece to that, um, that I <laughs> was very eye-opening when I came to this understanding, but we, um, if somebody does something because they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol and they're deep in an addiction, yeah. it's criminalized, it's penalized, you get fined. Um, you could have a diabetic who isn't maintaining their blood sugar. They end up passing out at the wheel and causing a car accident. Well, they get medical treatment versus versus a person with drugs. Yeah. yeah, would get jail time. And yeah. so we're just not it's a disease and we're just not approaching that in that yeah. way. And the war on drugs, that's how they framed it. I mean, yeah. back in the 80s and 90s. And so it's it's a lot to overcome to. Yeah. To change that mindset. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's it's uh, the system that's in place is not helping the core of the problem um, mm -hmm. with the the consequences in that you know law has exactly what you're saying for 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 something to like that to happen. Um, so I'm a huge agreeer with what yeah, you're saying yeah. on that. Um, I, I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Why do you think that it initially started with a bad perception of like the topic addiction? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think because there's always been some of that mentality of, well, if they want to stop, they'll just stop. Yeah. And, and that's not reality. <laughs> and so it's it hasn't always been viewed as a disease. And so. Um, I think there's also was a lot of media. I mean, I'm I'm a child of the 80s. And so a lot of that. Um, you know, drug advertising and targeting. Demonization. It was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very much making those people to be bad. And uh, we're very conscientious of wanting to make sure we're creating an environment that's removed from shame and stigma. But yep. people that are in addiction, they definitely come in often feeling like they're not worthy of that love and that care. And, um, and I think a lot of it is from, you know, started with those advertisements that were just kind of making these people yeah. out to be not good people. Yeah, they're, they're like, great people. <laughs> they just, you know, fell into the wrong path or, yep. you know, got made some bad decisions, but that doesn't make them not worthy of the same care and respect that others receive as well. All right. Um, in, in some of the programs that you're doing at Face It Together, you mentioned tools in your toolbox to help with the coaching process. What, give some examples of those. Yeah. So I think probably the, I mean, obviously there's a lot we do with our persons with addiction, um, but I'm really proud of our loved one program. So it's it very unique, I think, in terms of what other support is out there. And, and really when loved ones reach out for help, they're focused on their person at risk or their person that they believe has addiction. And so you know, they're just, how do I get them into treatment? How do I get them engaged? And it's, it's like the oxygen mask analogy. Um, you can't help that person until you take care of yourself. And so you think as a loved one, like the stress and anxiety that they're going through is my, is my kid coming home tonight? Are they, are they alive? Are they, you know, are the, where are they at? What are they doing? And so you just have this, you're not sleeping, you're maybe overeating or undereating. I mean, whatever yeah. your coping mechanisms are for that stress and anxiety, it impacts your work. 
um, because you're going to be distracted at work and you're not probably performing to your full potential. Um, So we really focus then on the loved one and then through getting them well. And really, there's so much um, belief that you need to use tough love and people will give the advice like, oh, just you need to cut them off. You need to let them go. And and no, we'll help them. The only time enabling is a bad word is when it's tied to drugs or alcohol. If you donate a large sum of money and you enable an organization to do some great, wonderful thing, that's positive. Um, if you are a loved one and you are in, enabling your person with addiction, um, you're, that's a bad decision. I feel like I've also caught myself with the stigma of um, maybe even judging loved ones for not mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm just like doing the tough love, Mm -hmm. um, man. Yeah. Yeah, So we really work with that loved one to figure out how to set up those healthy boundaries, figuring out what works for them and what, you know, and it's not a one size fits all. So figuring out what makes them feel comfortable, what helps with their wellness, and then really focusing on, okay, what are you going to do this week for yourself? Because you just lose sight of like, you need love too, as a loved one. Like you can't put all your energy into that person, but you want to obviously get them well as well. Yeah, I'm sure there. Yeah, there's people that might be able to like have a conversation with their loved one about it, or people that like cannot. Um, yeah, so people are in, in completely different. Yeah, and yeah. you know, so we have a lot of um, evidence too of we work with that loved one. The person at risk is not interested in getting help, whether that's treatment, whether that's coaching with us, whatever that looks like. Um, but we get that person, yeah. that loved one to approach things in a different way, um, creating those boundaries and then being able to pull that person along with them. So it's awesome when we, we hear stories like that. Well, speaking of stories, (laughs) yes. Could you reference any uh, over your past few years with the organization that you like to talk about? I'm sure there's tons. Yeah, there are tons. Um, this is kind of a silly one, but I just, I love it because it, um, I just think it embodies the like meeting people where they're at. So we we offer coaching through video in person. We have two locations uh, here in Sioux Falls and then also in Colorado Springs and then um, by phone. And we had a farmer engage in coaching. And so he would call us on his phone from his tractor on his field and would do his coaching session um, from his field. And, um, you know, it would be hard for him to get to a location, hard for him to take a a break, especially during those busy spring and fall times. And so, like, I just think that's such a cool story that we were like, all right, yeah, let's do this. Let's let's have a phone call while you are driving your tractor. Like, that's great. And so, (laughs) um, you know, it's things like that. It's um, I don't know. We just did an event and um, it was so fun to interact with people. Um, we had a table at an event, I should yeah. say. Um, and like a woman came up and she's just like, thank you. You saved my husband's life. It's wow. been five years, but like we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for face it together. And so it's like, I don't always see that like face to face. Like yeah. I hear it anecdotally yeah. from the coaches on the great work they're doing. And, um, but that one was, it was fun to, to hear it in person. So just different things like that, but yeah. All right. Um, well, we've talked about the history. Uh, we, we touched on what's going on now. What are some of the plans that you have in the future now as CEO? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I'm, you know, obviously continuing to grow is always a goal. Um, we've definitely increased our, um, reach this year, but continuing Mm -hmm. to increase, Um, We have a fit at work program. So it is an employer program where um, 
employers can sign on for an annual fee. And then we do provide education and coaching to mm -hmm. their employees and their employee family members. So similar to an EAP, but um, yeah. it's unlimited where, you know, an EAP is usually limited to, you know, three to six sessions. This is unlimited. Um, the employee, the family members could, you know, both or all engage. Yep. Um, so would love to grow our fit at work program. We are working on some retooling of that. So we've been, addiction is a very stigmatized as we yep. talked about word. And so we get into these employers and even if somebody is struggling or contemplating like, Oh, I might have a problem. Like yeah. you throw the word of addiction on there and it can sometimes like scare people and so trying to, apparently Siri wants to talk to us. <laughs> um, Siri, every time. Classic. Okay, sorry. Um, so at, when we work with our employers, um, we're looking at kind of taking more of an approach from a like problem drinking or problem yep. use perspective um, and working on some different language to use to try to engage um, especially in, you know, there's certainly key industries where that is even higher, higher, higher of a problem. Yeah. Um, and really out there, there's like 70 percent of the workforce has addiction. And so being able to engage with people when they are um, higher upstream. So a lot of the the funding that's available, a lot of the programs are focused on the homeless or the below the poverty line. Yep. Well, really, we can change the trajectory if we can engage people while they're still employed, they're still married, they're still engaged with their community or their family, but let's get them the right tools at that point in time. And so wanting to put some focus on that. Is that why Fit at Work was kind of a priority of like, let's start expanding and, and, and educating yeah. beyond kind of the one-on-one -on -one coaching session? Yeah. So our, our founder and the previous CEO, Kevin Kirby, he um, definitely had a great vision of, you know, and our vision is a nation that has solved the disease of addiction. And so um, viewing that from really a community problem. So it's not the, the often the problem is, again, it's the focus on the homeless. But it's if we could get employers engaged, churches engaged, yep. get the whole like this whole community model, um, that's when we can really change the needle of addiction and um you know, make a really positive impact on the community as a whole or the nation as a whole. So, yeah. And for, for that program, do you just pair up the coaches that you have with like the employer? Um, so we have um, a person in each of our communities that um, would work as the li like liaison yep. to those organizations and help um, organize any kind of trainings that they want to do in the employer space. Um, we also do monthly webinars that are available for all of our Fit at Work partners, yep. um, talking about different topics like, you know, holiday parties to just what is addiction to um, how do you um, react to a employee that has been to treatment and is now returning to the workforce? Like what yep. things should you say? What language should you use? Those types of things. So um, then our process of pairing with a coach, when someone does engage, they, we go through a, a process of them completing our assessments and looking at, um, kind of their story. Our first impressions team then takes that information and, and pairs them with the coach yep. that they feel has the most, um, similar lived experience. And that lived, that lived experience could vary. It could be, is it, oh, the, like two moms or is yeah. it that they had the same drug of choice. I mean, it yeah. can kind of depends on the person and what they would most align with, but 
then we pair them up that way. And you have coaches all around the nation I saw on the website? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do. So um, our concentration is in Sioux Falls yeah. and in Colorado Springs, but gotcha. we do have one coach in Florida as well. Yeah, so yeah. she um, used to live here in Sioux Falls, but um, moved to Florida this past year. So um, love that she's still engaged. She's on our, the back of our bus ad, so she's still <laughs> driving around Sioux Falls. But <laughs> yeah, oh, that's awesome. What are any upcoming events? You said you had an event recently. Do you have like an yeah. annual gala or fundraiser, or do you just do things periodically yeah. throughout the year? Yeah, our, our two big events that we do each year. We do a big uh, golfing event mm -hmm. in May, so solving addiction on the green. So we'll be we're starting the the planning process for that. So that'll be at the end of May. That's here in Sioux Falls, and then in September we do a big awareness event yep. it's recovery month and so it's um march into the light and so we are going to plan on doing that both in colorado springs and in sioux falls so it's it's not as much of a fundraiser but really just an awareness and it's really powerful to see because it's people with addiction it's supporters of those with addiction and just everybody being there and supporting yep. each other and um, so those are those are our two big events. All right. Well, listeners, how could they get engaged and, and what type of engagement do you typically look for? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, we our website is wefaceittogether.org. So you can certainly go out there. There's lots of information. Um, the biggest way to help is to donate. Yep. Um, yep. As I mentioned, the funding streams are often focused on below the poverty line. And there's a lot of people that sit in that kind of that donut where they aren't really living high on the hog, but they aren't qualifying for these services. And so every time we can try to support people that, especially in that layer, I feel like there's a lot we can do to, to move the needle. And so donating is a, a big part to help. Yeah. Um, for our two events, we do look for volunteers for those. So we have like whole sponsors for the golf or whole hosts for the golf yeah. event and um, some volunteer opportunities for the March into the Light as well. Yeah. And then coaching, coaching opportunities too. Yeah. So um, our program is a little unique. All of our coaches are employees. They're yep. not volunteer based. Um, but if anybody is interested in, in coaching, um, they can submit their, we have our email is on our website. You could submit your resume that way, but. All right. Yeah. Well, I think I covered anything. Is there anything that I did I'm, we're going to finish with like, what do you want to leave us with? But I just want to make sure yeah. we got everything covered. Um, I think, I mean, the only thing I didn't, I, well, I guess I kind of touched that. No, I, I think, I think yeah. we did. Yeah. All righty. Well then, is there anything you want to leave us with yeah, before we wrap it up yeah. here? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think that if you're, if anybody is wondering if they have a problem, if they, if they feel like their life is being impacted mm -hmm. negatively by their use, um, you know, we work with anybody from that pre-contemplation to, yes, I know I have addiction. Yeah. Um, we work with people that have gone through treatment. Uh, we, or sometimes they just coach with us. And a lot of times the story is they've gone through treatment multiple times and just nothing really was working. And that was really what we were founded off of. Like yeah. our founder, he, went through treatment several times and just couldn't get well. And so um, that was the outcome of then creating Face It Together through some community events. And so wherever you are on that spectrum, reach out. You can go to our website. Um, there's a web form that can be filled out or you can call or text our phone number that is also on our website, um, which is wefaceittogether.org. So um, we, we love to help if you are a loved one that just doesn't know where to turn. Yeah, we're here yeah. to help. And so just we we want to make sure people don't feel like they don't have the resources available for them. So we would just love to connect. 
Awesome. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for your time today and coming to the studio. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to sharing the work and the story that you're doing and try to drive more awareness, education and engagement. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great being here. All righty. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtzp.org. Don't forget, for more stories like this, you could also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Instagram followers are linked trees in the bio. And for podcast listeners, we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening and see you again soon.